0: Uh, father we do again just thank you for this day we thank you for our church family we thank you lord that we're able to gather here uh differently uh, but together and so lord we we do pray for our world concerning the coronavirus and uh, the the political nature a- around this and and all of the things that are happening there there are so many things to take our eyes off of you and so father we pray that as we uh devote the next handful of minutes to studying your word uh, that you would uh, captivate our attention lord help our eyes to be focused on christ lord help us to to see with clarity what he has done for us father we pray that you would uh, expose areas in our life uh, idols things that we're uh, placing in our lives before you um, give us a, a true awareness of what Christ went through as our substitute on the cross uh, that we would bow down and worship him and and just surrender everything to you. Uh, Father, we are grateful for this time that we have to gather to study your word. We pray that you would lead us as we look through this this story of of this trial of Jesus which is it's a well-known story and and in the familiarness of the story, it's easy to, um, to, to grow complacent. And, and so, Father, we pray that we would be able to, to look through the story, to see it, and to, to feel uh, what Christ went through and the, the drama of the scene and, and all that he accomplished on our behalf, that we would grow more passionately for you. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Mm. All right, Mark chapter 15, verse 1. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation. And binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, it is as you say. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. Then Pilate questioned him again, saying, Do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. Now, at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. The man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answering again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. But Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, And they called together the whole Roman cohort, and they dressed him up in purple. And after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews! They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing before him. After they mocked him, they took the purple robe off of him and put on his own garments on him and they led him out to crucify him. And Father, we pray that you would lead us as we look over this intense and violent scene of the things that had happened to Jesus on our behalf. We thank you again that he stood in our place so that we might have life with you. Father, I pray that you would help us to truly experience the life that you desire us to have in Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. Okay, so we look at the first verse here. In the early morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation. So we have to kind of remember where we are in this this whole setting. Over the last two weeks, we looked at the same block of time, uh, probably between two in the morning and sunrise, that Jesus was at Gethsemane, um, he was praying, Judas betrayed him, they take him into custody. They take him to the high priest and uh, at the high priest's home or uh, it's more than just a house. Don't think like three bedroom, two bath, you know, like this is like a huge uh, compound. And so they, they, bring, they bring Jesus there. There just happen to be all of these people, all of the religious leaders, and they begin to have uh, the beginning of the religious trial. Within the religious trial, there's, there's three scenes that sort of happen. And so we looked at all of that two weeks ago, and it sort of uh, it, it came to a conclusion when the high priest intervened because all of the testimony was inconsistent, and, and they were not bringing charges that they could then transfer to Pilate to get him executed is what they wanted. And so finally, the high priest steps up, and he says, listen. I implore you by the living God, are you the Christ, the son of the living God? And at that moment, Jesus says, I am. And that was enough for them to crucify him. But Jesus didn't stop there. He continued and he quotes from Daniel and he says, I will be coming in the clouds and I will give judgment. And he's saying, not only am I the Messiah, but y'all think that and we looked it up. Anna sent me in Spanish, so it's y'all, like, which we don't have. Like We need a Southern translation. And it was one of those right at the moment that it's, it was really, he's looking at this whole Sanhedrin, and it's like, he's saying, you all think you're judging me, but a day is coming when you will stand before me as your judge, and you're going to pay for these crimes or these sins that you're committing now. And so with that, the high priest tore his robe he looks at them, he says, do we need to do anything more? We have the testimony we need. Um, then Mark starts the scene over, and we follow Peter through this whole thing of Peter's denial. And so now in verse 1, we're told that it's now early morning. They have a quote-unquote legal trial. None of what they did to Jesus was legal. You, you couldn't have a trial in the middle of the night. A person was required due process. If if uh, capital punishment was on the line, there was supposed to be some delay So none of this happens, but in their hypocrisy, they're trying to keep things legal, and now the sun is up. And so in order to bring formal charges, it has to be daylight. And so they have, the sun has now come up, they have to race to Pilate because Pilate would take cases first thing in the morning. There was already an execution scheduled that day. There were three guys lined up to go to the cross, and so they needed to to get Jesus there as quickly as as they could. And so they had everybody together. They had a consultation. They sort of formalized the charge against Jesus. They bind him up, and they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. And so now we're introduced to Pilate. Uh, A bit of an introduction, as we've said before, there were two trials, the religious and then the civil. Uh, Again, in this setting, by the time we get to verse 15, all three of these civil trials had happened. Uh, The the three civil trials, uh, we have to look a little bit at who Pilate was. Uh, So historically we know that Pilate was the the pro-council that was in control of Judea, which is the southern part of Israel, and he reigned from A.D. 26 until A.D. 36. So he had about a 10-year window where he reigned. Um, He... He was known to hate the Jews, but like any politician, they have to be politicians, right? So you have to navigate all of this. Like you need to know how to crawl over people's backs. You know how to have to know how to keep your back greasy so they can't crawl over you. And you have to play all of the bureaucratic games. So he hated the Jews, but here he is overseeing a Jewish area. And so there's like diplomacy. But deep down, he hated them. And it was just known, like, some of the stuff that he did in the temple later on, like, desecrating the temple, like, he, 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 did, not, he did not like the Jews. Um, and we also know that he was an expedient ruler. So I look at myself, I identify with him a little bit. Like, I kind of believe in the, 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 the position of a bad decision made quickly is better than a good decision that takes three years to get to, you know? Like, let's just do it. And then we'll make mid-course corrections. I say that as a criticism to myself, but that's just, I'm just like, uh, give me the information, let's make a decision and roll with it. Like, there's nothing worse than me, like, let's think about it. Oh, can, can, we, can we just make a decision and then, like, think about the problems that we have now? Like, as we're moving forward, it's easier to steer a parked car than a parked car, you know? And, and uh, I can hear she's one of them, so... <laughs> um, so he, he was known for making things rash and quick, and he was happy to throw a bone if it could keep things in his control calm. Remember, Pax wrote Romana, the peace of Rome. That Rome, there was freedom of religion. You could do all sorts of things, but if there was any sort of insurrection or any sort of problem, they would basically put their iron fist down on it. And so Pilate doesn't want... Um, a, a riot to happen. He doesn't want the mob mentality to get out of control. And so as they bring Jesus to him, he becomes aware that Jesus is a Galilean. And Pilate would normally leave at Caesarea. It's this beautiful uh, Herod's palace on the coast, literally club med of the day. And he was there all of the time. But during the feast, he would come to Jerusalem just to, to keep things calm in case there was any sort of insurrection. And so he's there, and he learns that Jesus is a Galilean. And when he learns that Jesus is a Galilean, he knows that Herod is in town from Galilee also. And so Herod would actually be the guy that would be the the, the, the ruler of the area that Jesus is from. And he's like, hey, he's from that guy's jurisdiction. I'm going to send him over there. Jesus doesn't like him. This is the guy that had John the Baptist beheaded. Uh, we also know in his interaction with John the Baptist, John the Baptist is calling out for him for his sin. Remember, he's, he's taken his brother's wife, who's also like his niece. It's like a real Jerry Springer situation. And I, I forget all the things, but John the Baptist is calling him out for his sin. And, and then as he's doing this, we're told that Herod was really entertained by Herod, or by John the Baptist. Herod's entertained by John the Baptist, and so they're, they're dialoguing. And so now Jesus is before this guy. And the whole scene from the other accounts, Jesus doesn't say a word to Herod. Jesus, we're told that Herod is very intrigued by Jesus. He would like to have a conversation with them. It's, it's like, hey, he has an opportunity to meet this rock star. Let's talk. And, uh, Jesus doesn't say anything. So he's, he's very quickly returned to Pilate. And so all of this happens sort of in the shadows of, of today's text. And so here we are. Pilate is going to question Jesus in verse 2. Pilate questioned him Are you the king of the Jews? And in this question, we see the duplicity, I think that's a good word, or the hypocrisy, the inconsistency, the lies of the religious leaders, because Jesus was charged religiously under Jewish law for blasphemy. He claimed to be the Messiah. It was at that moment that the high priest tore his clothes. But when he's delivered to Pilate, those aren't the charges that are brought before him. He's brought before the Romans for being an insurrectionist, saying, this guy claims to be the Jews, or the king of the Jews. I had another thought going through there. Um, And so when he's brought before Pilate, Pilate's like, okay, they're saying that you're the king of the Jews. Is, Is that an accurate charge, and Jesus answered, "It is as you say." And so this response of Jesus it it's not like he it's not like the previous when the high priest says, "Are you the Messiah?" and he says, "I am." This, this is a response that's more, yeah, like I would word it differently. That's because he's getting at insurrection that that he's trying to lead this sort of this re- revolt against Rome. And so Jesus is like saying yes I'm the king of the Jews but not like you're thinking but he doesn't say much. And at this point the chief priests were told in verse 3 began to accuse him harshly. Like I see this like a fisherman trying to like set the hook on the fish. You know you get a bite and you're like, "Oh, this is a big one. I don't want to let it go." And and so they, they get everything together. They they have him on these religious charges, their conscience uh, according to Jewish law. This is a guy who's a blasphemer. We can we can kill him. We just have to do it in a way that the Romans will care about it because the Romans wouldn't care about a guy that claimed to be God. There was people that all kinds of, thousands of gods. But an insurrectionist is something that they would not deal with. Barabbas, he was, he was an insurrectionist. That's what he was going to the cross for. And so we're told that they began to accuse him harshly. I think that they would be throwing out things like, he says not to pay taxes. He says, like, they're lobbying whatever they can lob at Jesus in an accusation to get Pilate to go, okay, we already have three guys to go today. Let's, we'll just do a fourth. My guys can get a fourth cross up. No big deal. That, that's, what, that's what they want. And then in verse 4, we're told, then Pilate questioned him again, saying, do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you. We know from the stories that Pilate wants to wash his hands of this. He just wants these guys to go away. He doesn't want there to be a riot. He doesn't want there to be this mob mentality. In John's account, we looked at it a few weeks ago, that he pulls Jesus back and says, Listen, don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I have the authority to let you go or the authority to execute you? And in Jesus' silence, this is the one time he responds, and he says, listen, Pilate, well, that's Gunner's words. He says, the only authority that you have is given to you by my Father. So he's basically saying, like, don't worry about it. If you have to kill me, it's, it's the, my blood is on their heads, not yours. I can't help in looking at this, in looking at, I don't want to get into the the conversation of all of the like, the, the, the riots, per se, that are happening in our culture. Uh, I know a few weeks ago, like, driving through Escondido to see the buildings, like, uh, boarded up, it was just, like, uh, it just kind of made you sick, kind of made you angry, kind of made you, like, like, just this confliction of, of, like, what is going on? Like, and and I don't want to get on the commentary of what I think, but my observation of sort of the politicians on both sides none of the politicians like well i'm not going to argue with myself in front of you um, i'll save that for my private time but it's like the politicians what they want they want to get reelected and and they're trying to figure out like on both sides like how do we navigate this in order to get reelected and i don't really want this on my watch it's like ah oh, this is terrible and pilots the same way like he doesn't need an explosion on his hands because Rome will deal with him, and they 'll put another guy in there, and he's, his life is pretty pretty comfortable, and so he 's like from every angle trying to get out of this situation, but Jesus remained silent, verse five, but Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed, so if any one of us, if the if law enforcement barged in. And handcuffed any one of us and said, "You're being arrested for murder right now." What would be your reaction, I, guys? I didn't do it. I don't know what they're talking about. You would start running your mouth, like saying, "Let me out of here!" Defend yourself. Whatever you could do to get out of it. And even if you actually murdered a bunch of people and it was streamed on live television, all the networks carried it, and you go stand before the judge, what's what what's going to happen? You're going to plead not guilty because you're going to have an attorney, you're going to have due process. It's not your case to prove your innocence, it's their case to make sure that you're guilty. And historically under Roman law, the way these cases were sort of determined, it was determined based on the testimony of the defendant and and sort of reading what they thought about what he said. And so Pilate needs Jesus to defend himself. Pilate needs Jesus to throw him a bone, to do something, anything that he can throw this case out. And Jesus isn't doing it. And Jesus, because he's not defending himself, Pilate's suddenly like blown away. He's amazed. And he's amazed because this guy who he knows is innocent, look at, uh, Oh, no, I, we might have already got it. Um, no, no, we're getting there. We'll get there. I'll save, I'll save that one. That's really good. It's coming. So hang, hang with me. Uh, verse 6. Now, in his amazement, Mark gives us a little background commentary of, uh, about Pilate. He says, now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. Uh, so the key word is he. Now at the feast, he, that's Pilate. Historically, there's no other governor. There's no other example of anybody else doing this. Um, this, this is something unique to Pilate. I think it was Pilate's way of sort of bridging the gap between the Romans and the Jews. Even though he didn't like them, he needed them to be sort of passive under him. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I, I think of, so one of the students that I put through, I have no recollection of this, but it's, it's totally something I would do because I did it a bunch of times because I thought it was funny. So when I was working the Hell Week shift, I'd work the graveyard a lot. And if there was a boat crew that that, uh, that like so a group of like seven guys that was doing performing well during the, that night's evolution, I would take them through the drive-through at McDonald's. So they all have their boats on their head, and we're on base, so we're out, out of town. And I would basically drive them through McDonald's, and I'd order seven breakfast jacks or whatever, or seven whatever egg McMuffins. Wrong recipe, but egg McMuffins. And so then I dish them out their egg McMuffins, you know, on base, and they were stoked. And I never knew who the students were, but there's one guy who was in the new like recently, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you bought us, you bought us egg McMuffins. No other instructor did that." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I did that with your boat crew. The cars used to freak out and like honk their horn behind us, and like what? Like trying to motivate the kids. And uh, so that was just something I did." And, and, and it would encourage them. And so there would be this, hey, if you guys impress Instructor Hansen, he'll take you through the drive through and, uh, and so this is, this is something that Pilate would do. Every time during the feast, he would let one prisoner go as sort of a, a, you know, an olive branch to the Jewish people. And so now we're introduced in verse 7. The man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. So now this this, this crowd makes sense to me. The, the crowd that was at two in the morning, all of these people who happened to be at the high priest's house, that doesn't make any sense to me. The fact that there are three guys that are poised to be executed that day, we have Barabbas, and we have the two guys that were on Jesus' other side. Were, they were going to be executed that day. It was already slated. And, and so now we're introduced to Barabbas. He's been in prison during this with the insurrectionist and had committed murder in the midst of the insurrection. And so now we're told that the crowd approaches Pilate. I think that the crowd was there because of these crucifixions, because they knew Pilate drove them through McDonald's. I mean... He let one go each year. And they say, hey, every year you let a guy go. We'd like a guy to be let free. And so Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. So we get the background scene. Pilate is not a stupid man. No politicians are stupid people. Like they are very brilliant Conceiving, you know, like whatever you feel, like they're not like you can't call politicians on either side stupid. Like they're smart people that know how to work the system on both sides. He looks at this. He didn't get to where he was just to, re- to think that Jesus is guilty of anything. They he sees that the chief priests have Jesus because they're envious of Jesus. Why would they be envious of Jesus? Remember, this is if this is if we're calling this Thursday or Friday, it was just on Sunday that Jesus made his approach into Jerusalem. That they had the palm branches, and we celebrate Palm Sunday. They were all rejoicing that their king had come. Uh, the tension throughout all of the week, as as the the priests are trying to trap Jesus, their tension in trying to get him executed was that he had the vote of the population, the support of the populace. And so, as they bring this up, it's almost like Pilate's like. There's my out. The crowd loves Jesus. So I'll offer to release Jesus and the crowd will roar and they can, let, they can have their king. Verse 11, but the chief priest stirred up the crowd. I don't know what they did, but I've seen people like, if you give out free t-shirts, they all go crazy. So I, I, like, I don't know what they did, but the chief priest then get the crowd to, to go towards Barabbas. So, but the chief priest heard of the crowd and asked for release of Barabbas for them instead. Now on this point, Grant Osborne, one commentator, says this, what Pilate did not realize, and what we probably didn't realize, is that as an insurrectionist in the, in the Jewish world, Barabbas would have actually been a Robin Hood-like figure to many Jews. So they wanted an insurrection. They wanted to get out from under Rome. He's He's being imprisoned because he likely killed a Roman soldier during the insurrection trying to do this. They wanted Jesus to be their king that would go against Rome and to free them. And so when they start asking about Barabbas, we always think about Barabbas, oh, it's just some murder, it's just some guy back there. Well, unlike Jesus, this guy's actually willing to put some muscle behind trying to get an insurrection going. I don't know. Then answering again, Pilate said to them, then what do I do with them whom you call the king of the Jews? I haven't counted. I think this is like the third or the fourth time that Pilate refers to Jesus as the king of the Jews. And with each time, it's like nails on the chalkboard to them. If we were to go over to John chapter 19, verses 21 through 22, the scene is that Jesus is about to be executed Uh, For every criminal that was getting the capital punishment, they would, on a, a little piece of paper, they would write out the charges against the individual that they could tack onto the cross so that as you approach the city, you'd see all of the people that were executed. And above them, it would say their crimes. And the lesson would be, like, if you commit these crimes, this is what will happen to you because the peace of Rome is a very serious thing. And so over in John chapter 19, we read this. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. And so like every time they say, okay, what do you want me to do with the king of the Jews? They're like, no, 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 no. He's claiming to be the king of the Jews. We're not saying that he's the king of the Jews. You're getting all wrong. Like, don't you understand us? Like, this isn't what we're saying. And it's like, every time he says this, I could just see them like getting more and more furious. And he says, what do you want me to do with the king of the Jews? And they shout back, verse 13, crucify him. But Pilate said to them, what evil has he done? And at this moment, it's clear. There is no question that Pilate understands that Jesus is an innocent man. He's having this crisis of conscience. As this guy who hates the Jewish people, he has this mob mentality before him. It's peer pressure. And it can be so difficult to do the right thing when you have a crowd of people trying to push you the wrong way and to stand up and have a voice. And the further along you go, the more difficult it becomes. And so I believe at this point, Pilate should have said, this guy's innocent. I'm taking him back to the praetorium. You guys go on your way. If you think through the story of Acts, and at the end of it, you come to the Apostle Paul who, um, towards the end of Paul's like freedom. Paul's taken into custody in Jerusalem, and he has him there in the middle of the night, his nephew comes to Paul and he says, Listen, there's a whole bunch of like vigilantes that are coming, and they're gonna kill you tonight. Paul says, Hey, can you do me a favor and go tell the guards? <laughs> like, go let them know. And the Romans, when they heard about this, they said, Okay, it's two in the morning, we're gonna get a Like it's huge garrison. We're going to give you safe escort down to Caesarea. We're going to put you in in custody where you're protected. Like they did the right thing in that moment, but that's 30 years down the road. Pilate could have done that same thing, but Pilate decides to give way to the crowd. Verse 15, wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. So the reason that he let Barabbas go and that he's, he's sentencing Jesus to death is because of the, the the crowd. He couldn't stand and do the right thing. He was more concerned about keeping the peace of everything. Now this 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 word scourged it, it's uh, it was often referred to as a half death. So we know like the Jews could give like a lashing of thirty nine times. That's because they didn't have the capacity to do the capital punishment. The Romans, they could they could do this unlimited. Often it would bring a person so close to death, Violence. Our, our culture couldn't handle this. Our culture can barely handle the reality that meat comes from animals, like like let alone. That's what I love about Valley Center kids. When you go over to somebody's house, they're like, who are we eating tonight? You know, it's like, oh, they, they, they get it, you know, like... And and uh, so this, this beating would be ruthless. Uh, horrific. Michael Card says this about this. Uh, the only reference in first century literature says that a man would be flogged until the flesh hung from, it from his back. People were frequently disemboweled by the flagellum. It could tear through the flesh and bite into bone and sinews. Josephus refers to a scourging he witnessed, that re- resulted in the entrails of the victim becoming visible. So it wasn't just a whip. It was like a whip with a bunch of different things that, the, like, that came out of it. And at the end of the little leather strands, there would be like a bone and metal. So when they whipped it into the person, it would get stuck in the person. And the only way to get it out, you'd have to pull back harder. And with that would come flesh. People could lose eyeballs, and their flesh would come out. And it would totally... Uh, to say that it would put a person into shock... It's an understatement. This this would be the equivalent of, uh, I, I think, the purpose of, like, when you watch Spanish bullfighting, or maybe you guys don't watch Spanish bullfighting, but, you know, they throw the little daggers into the bull to slowly, like, kill the bull over time so that it can go quickly at the end. This is to speed up the killing process. And we see, we're going to see, I think it's next week, we we get to where Jesus can't even carry the cross beam of the cross because he's in so much shock. And Simon, I think it's, is it Simon? The guy will get there next week, I think but he has to pick up and carry the cross for Jesus because Jesus is in so much shock. It's the reason that Jesus is the only person who doesn't have his legs broken. Remember, they have their parties to get to. It's a holiday weekend. Jesus' body was so broken getting to the cross that he died without them having to accelerate things by breaking the legs. Now Barabbas, this man who was released, so in Matthew 27, verses 16 through 17, depending on which translation you use, um, because different translations use different manuscripts, which I don't want to get into textual criticism right yet, but there are some manuscripts. I'm just going to read this from Grant Osborne. and some manuscripts of Matthew twenty-seven sixteen through 17, his name is, ironically, Jesus Barabbas, referring to Barabbas. Thus... What his name means is Jesus, the son of the father, because Barabbas means father. So the true son of the father, Jesus, will die in the place of the wicked son of the father, Barabbas. And so this is like this powerful picture that Jesus, the son, is taking the literal place of this other son of the father. Jesus is Barabbas' substitute. Jesus is our substitute. A few years ago, I mean, it's probably been 20 years ago at this point, uh, a movie came out, The Passion of the Christ. And I don't know if you guys have seen The Passion of the Christ, but the the movie is is powerful. And this scene they capture, and the actor Barabbas does a a masterful job. And so we're going to watch that right now. it's a powerful scene and the actor that plays barabbas does a masterful job from that from that point verse 16 the soldiers took him away into the palace that is the praetorium and they called together the whole roman cohort they dressed him in purple and after twisting a crown of thorns so they put on purple the the color of royalty they they twist a a, cr- a crown of thorns and they They put it on him. It would have uh, pierced the skin, its potential that it pierced into the actual skull, that those thorns are so sharp. And they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. They kept beating him. They kept beating his head with a reed. Think about the crown of thorns in there, then they're beating it, pressing it in with every punch and spitting on him, and kneeling and bowing before him, mocking him. I read this, and it gives absolute, like, like goosebumps of the horror of what they're doing. I think about what I've said before, that the text, when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You from the Greek can say that he was saying this through the whole process, that Jesus, his life wasn't taken, he was giving it. And you can make the case that Jesus is forgiving these guys. To think from Philippians chapter 2, you know, every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. And yet here they are in a mocking way doing this to their creator. After they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off of him and they put on his own garments on him and they led him out to crucify him. So when I look at this story today, there's there's Pilate. There's Pilate that if it wasn't for this incident in history, the world wouldn't know him. There, there would be a little there there would be a sentence in some boring old history book with dust on it that there was like Pilate was the pro over Judea for this ten year window. But now history knows Pilate as the man who made a mistake concerning Jesus. And I think that there's a lesson in that for us. When we go through our lives and we stand before our maker, the question won't be about your sins. It won't be about all the things that you've done wrong. It will be, what did you do with Jesus? And so if we're like Pilate, our default will be that we rejected Jesus. But we want to learn from Pilate and receive the gift that that Barabbas literally received in the story. What did what did Barabbas do to get freed? Nothing. He was deserving of death. We are deserving of death. Every time I stumble uh, upon the word Barabbas, I, I think back to, to seminary. My good friend, he um he had he'd kind of run into this problem. He was teaching this Bible study at a church where he was kind of connected to the church, but it was a very uh, like traditional and and dying Baptist church. And, and so he and the pastor were good friends. But he was doing this thing like on Thursday night with college kids in a very apologetic sort of way. And, and uh, over the course of a couple years, that group, basically there were like five or six times the size of the actual church. And he's like, I'm not trying to do anything bad. I'm not trying to usurp the authority but my Bible study is now like way bigger than the church, and I can tell the pastor's like getting uncomfortable with me, and I don't know what to do. And, and I'm like, do you ever think about maybe like planting a church? He's like, uh-uh, I didn't want to do that. And I'm like, he's like, well, I don't even know what to do. And it was like a Friday, and he's like, well, I'm going camping this week. I'm like, well, before you go camping, why don't you just write down the names of every single person that come to your Bible study and just pray over them and see if God does anything. And And so... He came back on Monday or Tuesday, whatever the next time we were in class, he's like, Gunner, I'm going to plan a church. I'm planning Barabbas Road Church, which is now a church in, in Pacific Beach, a pretty decent sized church. And I remember um, going, Barabbas Road Church, that's an interesting one. That, that name Barabbas doesn't really, that's not like the Good Samaritan where like, uh, like we know the story of Barabbas, but those that aren't church, he's like, well, it's a great, it's a great conversation piece. And so I, I remember the slogan on their church for many years was, we are Barabbas. And like their testimonies kind of relate to Barabbas. And so this weekend or this week, I went to their website just to see if they had, like, like I remember it was a really good quote, but they've, they've changed it, they've grown. And, and so on About Them, they, they read, they, they show this passage about Barabbas being released. And then this is what, what he wrote. He says, we can see that Barabbas, The guilty one was set free because Jesus, the innocent one, took his place. We today, like Barabbas, are able to look at Jesus on the cross and say, that should have been me. Jesus took our punishment and our death upon himself on the cross. We are free from sin and death because Jesus took our place. In the same way, he literally took the place of Barabbas. This is the theological term of substitutionary atonement, that we had the wrath of God do us, and Jesus was our substitute, that he went to the cross in our place. And there's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. It's a gift. It's, it's grace. It's what he did for us. The only thing that we do is respond by faith. And my prayer is that we, like that actor, like on the screen, like as he's skipping off, like that's joy. I mean, that's like you were dead in your sins and transgressions and now you've been set free. That's what Christ has done for us and we can live our lives in freedom. Instead of like Charles Swindoll's, one of my favorite quotes that I say all the time that you guys can probably repeat it with me, is Christians look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. Like, we don't have to be cranky, angry, like, Jesus paid for our sins. He paid it all. It's complete. And in him, there's freedom and life and assurance. We're told that his righteousness has been placed in our accounts. That's the word that has been imputed to our account. It's not our righteousness. Our unrighteousness was credited to Jesus on the cross. And through faith, his righteousness is credited to our accounts. The devil doesn't want us to believe this. The devil wants us to think it's about our works and our good deeds and that you've got to do this. And if you mess up or you sin or you think this, then Jesus is going to just get mad at you and take it all away. That's not what the Bible says. We are secure in him by grace alone. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand the theological truths that are. Uh, painted in the life of, of Barabbas, that we indeed are Barabbas. And Jesus came and got us off the hook, got us off the cross, and that he stood there and took the wrath of the Father that was due because of sin. And we thank you that he paid it all. He paid it in full. And in him, we have life and joy and assurance. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to realize these truths in our life we ask that you would free us um, from from incorrect biblical th- thinking that's not biblical, thinking that our, our works are the things that, that please you. You created us, we are your creation. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. Father, I pray that you would help us to stand in grace, as Paul writes in Romans five one, that we would stand in grace, that we would live by grace. And that you would receive all the glory from our lives. And it's in Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.